Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I am on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imaginations. Basically, um, I want to find out how people find creative solutions and then how they use those at home, work, play and everything in between. And um, my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time that you need it. Now, today I'm speaking with Jacinta Dietrich. Jacinta is a self-confessed slashy. She is a neurodivergent and bisexual writer slash editor slash podcaster from Nam, Melbourne. Um, and, and she has about a million cool creative endeavors on the go at any one time. So today I really want to find out how uh, this came about. What does that look like? And how does she manage it all? <laughs> Welcome, Jacinta. Thank you so much for having me. You make me sound so fancy. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you are fancy. And that's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm so happy to have you on here. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So, well, Jacinta, like, I... I've never heard of the term a slashy before. I mean, I kind of I kind of know what it means, but it did you come up with that or how did that come to be? No, I saw someone else use it and I've pinched it because every time like people ask like, "Oh, what do you do?" um it's always been really really hard to explain like all of the different facets of what I do with work and my hobbies and things like that and you know, sometimes my hobbies make money. And I found that if I wasn't telling people like about a particular part and then they found out about it afterwards, they're like, oh, why didn't you tell me? So it's just easier to have something that's like, I do a lot of things. Here is the opening for you to ask what all those things are rather than me being like, when someone says, oh, what's your job? Or what do you do? I'm just like, oh, well, I do all these 50 things. What do you think? <laughs> um, it just made it a little, little less overwhelming, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's like full disclosure upfront. I do this, yeah. and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I I love the fact that you haven't just put yourself into a box of one particular thing. You're like, I'm interested in these whole range of things and that you can invest in all these different creative outlets and, and make the most of each one. So what what are some of the things that you do? So I'm a writer. Um, that's currently probably like the thing I'm focusing on. Like I say currently, like I mean this week. Um, so <laughs> I've published a novella and I've been included in a couple of anthologies. Um, so trying to get my first full-length novel finished and out there, which is exciting. Yes. Um, and then I'm an editor when I have other free time. Um, so I do that freelance where I'll, you know, do structural or copy editing for other authors and things like that and give them notes um, because that's what my um, university background was in. And then I do a podcast as well called Differently Brained. So we um, interview guests who are neurodivergent or have struggled with their mental health and just kind of have those conversations to you know, break down misconceptions and stigma and open things up. So those are the main three that I do at the moment. And then there's, you know, a bunch of side quests as always that pop up and go and things like that. 
<laughs> I love the term side quest as well. It's so like so nerdy, but it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that's what they are. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, I'll do this today. It makes me feel better if I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do in a day because I'm like, oh, I did a bunch of side quests. It's fine. <laughs> so it's just like a really nice way of saying I got distracted. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> but, you know, I still did things with being distracted. So here they are. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you mentioned your podcast as well. And I'd love to talk to you about that a bit later, because I think there's a whole, there's a whole bit on that, um, which is actually how I found you is through your podcast. Um, but yeah, so tell me, how did you get to this point where I, know, I mean, I know the gig economy is a thing now, right? We're all doing all these different things to try and make little bits of money instead of just focusing on one full entire job. But how did you get to that space? Because um, it's it's a slippery slope into <laughs> into the gig economy. Where did it, where did it start? Um, I, it kind of happened accidentally, I think. Um, so it was kind of a bunch of little steps that I didn't realize. So I um, did a master's of creative writing, publishing and editing because I'd always loved books. Um, and for a really long time, everyone suggested become a teacher, become an English teacher. And then, you know, all through high school, because English is compulsory, you get the kids who just don't want to do it and they don't want to be there. And I just knew that that would I think that would genuinely like hurt my feelings every day. And I was like, I'm not tough enough to go into a classroom and teach a bunch of kids who don't want to be there. Like I see the value in it and maybe one day they will too, but that was just going to hurt my feelings and I'm not necessarily tough enough. So I thought, well, how else do I work in books? Um, and, you know, I'd always been a big reader and um, had like ideas of being a writer but I also like never genuinely thought I would do it I thought I'd just like you know write on the side and I was like okay publishing publishing is the way that I can get in read a bunch of stuff support other people to make their books and things like that um and so in that um master's degree because it had a creative writing portion as well I did a creative thesis so I wrote a basically 20,000 word novella that I then submitted at the end and thought okay well I've got this big thing um I don't know what I'm gonna do with it but I'll submit it around and see if I can get any feedback which I know is very very unlikely and uncommon in the publishing industry because no one has any time but I thought I'll try it anyway um and I sent it to the teaching press that was aligned with the university that I went to expecting like you know a really polite no thank you but here's the areas that you could expand um yeah. and they picked it up so that's wow. how that's how I got my first novella. Um, <laughs> cool. It was really, really wonderful. It was so such just a wonderful time and such a whirlwind because it's with a teaching press, so it's based on semesters. So basically they picked me up in like November, December, and it was published by the following July. So it was yeah. a, a tight turnaround. Um, and then from that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll just do a bunch of submissions and stuff like that. Um and just sent a bunch of kind of the stuff that I'd worked on during uni out. And that's how I got into the anthologies. Um, I made it into editing um, because I realized like, you know, I, I was still thinking I was going to focus on publishing and the writing was just like a side bonus. Um, and so I got a job at an educational publisher 
um, which I was very, very lucky that, you know, my boss at the time was absolutely wonderful and really developed me and things like that, took a chance because I had very little skills outside of um, the university degree and they were looking for someone who had a bit more skills um but she took a chance and that was wonderful um I'm no longer with that company that company's closed down so then I've started doing freelance editing because I still have those skills and things like that um and I was picking bits and pieces of that up while I was um working full-time just as something to do um especially if I wasn't writing anything Mm. at that point um and then the podcast came kind of like the novella, like on a whim where um, I'd been thinking about it for a couple of years and looking for something similar and hadn't found it. Um, And so started talking to Lachlan, who is now my co-host, about um, wanting to do a project and he was complaining about having a lot of free time. Um, Not complaining. (laughs) I've never heard that complaint before. (laughs) He was looking for a project to do or looking at, um, you know, working in a different industry or looking at getting into publishing and things like that. And I said, hey, like, I don't have any necessary, like, tips there because he um, lives outside of Melbourne and most things are in-house. But do you want to start a podcast? And he was like, yes, very much so. So things, I think it's like, I don't know, my neurodivergent brain just, like, gets attached to an idea. And then we're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? Let's go. And that's how I've landed in the gig economy. (laughs) That's cool. I love the fact that you've given yourself the uh, permission to explore these ideas that come into your brain. Um, That's very cool. Thank you. It's such a weird balance because some days, like, I have, I don't really know how to explain it and I haven't tried to explain it yet, so this is my first go. But um, (laughs) a lot of people are like, oh, how are you so confident and things like that? But then I also have, like, hectic imposter syndrome. Yeah, And so I've got this like idea where I'm like, oh, what's the worst could ha- that could happen? Just jump in, just do it, blah, blah, blah. And then the next second I'll be like, I can't do this. What am I doing? Oh my gosh. And I somehow just do it. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I don't know how the two battle in my head, but I'm grateful that, you know, they balance each other out and I'm still doing things. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think it's impossible to be confident a hundred percent of the time, but I think pushing through those periods of ultimate fear yep <laughs> is is what is so expensive you know and it really takes you to the next level because if you yeah. just stayed within that little bubble of yours it's it would you'd never you'd never explore you'd never create you know yeah for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. so your podcast differently brained yes. love it Thank how long you. has that been how long has that been happening for uh we started in january so oh, wow. yeah. yeah, less than a year, um, well, almost nine months now. It's yeah, been really, really wonderful. Yes, it's so good. And and so you're really, you kind of mentioned this before, you're trying to break the stigma and have better representation out there of neuro, neurodiverse individuals. Is that is that where you're coming? That's what the podcast is all about? Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm autistic and an adhd and um, I was, like, I've read a lot of books and things like that. Um, I especially enjoy YA, so I've been, I read a lot of, like, neurodivergent representation in there. 
But once I got my diagnosis, I kind of wanted to know what it was like for other people. I just wanted to dig into, um, you know, what other people are doing, how it feels for them, because obviously like it's a spectrum, but it's not like a line spectrum. It's more like a pie chart where different parts of um, neurodivergence or, or whatever your deal is like can be different. So like for me, my social skills, I would like to think are relatively neurotypical kind of thing. I hold conversations, I make eye contact, all of that stuff that um, people assume is normal. Um, but my... It's inverted commas normal for people, <laughs> <Correct. by the way. laughs> um, But I have like a lot of sensory things. So like I can be really easily um, overwhelmed by noise and lights and, you know, things touching me, people being in my physical space, things like that. So I wanted to kind of get those personal stories and I was looking through podcasts hoping that I would find something and in the time since I started thinking about Differently Brained there has been so many more podcasts so I always feel a bit um like it's it's not true anymore but when I was looking there wasn't enough personal stories there was some podcasts that had a lived experience co-host but then also they had like a medical practitioner or someone with a psych background and things like that, and they wouldn't talk necessarily about personal experiences um, and stories and things like that. It was more teaching you about, like, the different things, I guess, the different terms, like teaching you about stimming and executive dysfunction and emotional dysregulation and things like that. And I already knew all of those because I did the screening. I came out with the label. Um, I wanted to hear what it was like for people and what the good stuff was and, you know, how they function and what their houses look like and what their relationships look like and what their special interests are and things like that. So, yeah, I, like I said, I'm, we're all really lucky that there's a lot of different podcasts that do it now. Have conversations with other people and figure out what they were doing. It's very selfish. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like I saying to you just prior to this podcast that me running this podcast is helping me feel so much more energized and more creative mm. if your podcast is giving you that as well th- why not <laughs> yeah I think why it's not? really like this is not to toot my own horn but I'd like to think that it is making a safe space for people who maybe don't know or um are self-diagnosed and things like that and just want to hear more stories so that they feel more validated because there is a lot of imposter syndrome when you're you know looking into am I autistic do I have ADHD things like that because you're like maybe it's confirmation bias maybe I'm and it's it can be like a really rough time even if you don't have all of the other barriers and stigmas that we find in society and the medical profession and things like that so I'd like to think that it's a safe place for those people and then also a way of, you know, having mental health conversations and things like that. Um, You know, it's something that my family's struggled with a lot. We have a lot of history of mental health issues and it was always very stigmatised and not spoken about. Um, And, you know, that that wasn't fair on anyone in my family and we didn't get the help that we needed. So I'm hoping that, you know, having these conversations and bringing it up, I'm just also helping to push forward, you know, the mental health and neurodivergent change that we need to support everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're telling so many diverse stories on the podcast that there will be opportunities for people to tune in and 
identify with one of them or it might help them un- unlock something in them or just kind of break the stereotypes because yeah I mean when we spoke a couple of weeks ago you told me that um when people know that you're neurodivergent um they were surprised to hear that you're creative because it, there's like this perception that you wouldn't be you'd be very like analytical maths brain um, yeah. But when you when you kind of tell people that you're creative or they see that you're creative, it's really shocking to them. <laughs> so yeah, that like t- I, tell me about that. I think it's been um, kind of two different reactions. So like people who've known me for a long time, kind of thing. When I got um, you know my my labels, my identities, my diagnosis, whatever you like to call them. Um, for some of them they're like oh are you sure like does that check out kind of thing and I think it's because they had the idea of you know a a maths brain a science was a computer tech kind of that kind of idea um which they've all been wonderful and supportive now and it's all fine and everything it was just a bit of a surprise because those stereotypes are out there um and then same thing like I'm very very open about being neurodivergent it's the first thing in my bio after my name things like that Um, because I think it's not really considered that, you know, neurodivergent people are, of course, in the arts and in, you know, those kind of spaces, it still feels like there is very much those misconceptions and stereotypes that, you know, the only way that neurodivergent people are creative is um, in very logical kind of areas and also the I the misconception that because you know routine is very important for some neurodivergent people like particularly autistic or uh, autistic people and things like that that routine can clash against creativity and it means you know I think sometimes people have an idea of creativity as being like spontaneous and fun and all of these other things that go against what I think the idea of routine is for a lot of people and I think there's there's that clash as well of oh, well, if you need to do, you know, similar things, you know, have similar mealtimes every day and, you know, wear similar clothes and stuff, how can you how can you be imaginative and things like that? Yeah, that that is interesting that the idea of, like, routine and structure is kind of the antithesis of creativity. I never thought that, but that is an interesting idea that people have a stereotype about. Yeah, which I don't think is accurate at at all like um obviously you know at some point it can feel restrictive doing the same thing every day but that's not necessarily what my routine is and by having like my routines more like I block out time for certain creative pursuits and things like that so that I know that I am being stimulated in lots of different ways because the ADHD brain really constantly wants that novelty and that interest in things like that so by kind of blocking out like I'll do writing here and I'll do some podcasting here and things like that. It actually like feeds into that creativity and I'm able to jump between them all and get that dopamine hit. And then also like really interweave all of those skills and things like that. Like, I don't know, for me, routine and structure really helps the creativity. Oh yeah. I mean, that's it. It's everyone is so different. (laughs) Some people hate the idea of going blocking out my calendar for this and blocking it out for that. But you know, if it if it enables you to be your best creative self. <laughs> I think that's it. I pushed against it for a really long time because I held on to the idea that 
having a routine meant that I wasn't spontaneous, which meant that I wasn't fun. Um, and I've obviously changed because, sorry, changed my mindset around that because at the end of the day, if the routine is what lets me do as much as I can, like without the routine, I can't do my 50 million different things. So if having that structure is actually what allows me to do it, that is what's fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Lean into it. Lean into yeah. it. Cause you are doing so many things and, you know, running your own editing business as well how do you keep up with that and I know you just said structure here but how do you um how do you stay motivated how do you stay creative when you're switching lanes so many times I think it's kind of um that's what comes to me most naturally so that's probably why having maybe like a bunch of different side hustles or whatever works better for me personally than like a traditional workplace or a traditional job because um, some days I'll just want to write and I can just fully sink into that and then other days I don't want to do that at all but I obviously still need to make money and do things Um, and so by having those different areas to um, kind of flip between it's still, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier with, you know, these conversations giving you energy and things like that by having the freedom to be able to decide each day what I'm going to work on. It means that my, I'm not fighting against my brain. Like I'm going with the hyper-focus and I'm going with what's interesting to me in that moment. Um, which, you know, obviously in a professional sense, I'm, I'm giving myself deadlines and making sure that I still um, you know, meet requirements for clients and things like that. But being able to do it in my own way mm. is just so much easier than, you know, if I had, like, if I were in a traditional job where it was, you have these three different things or you have to do this email every day and things like that. By having the flexibility to create the structure, I think is how I balance it all, to be honest. And by not putting too much pressure on like this is my one main thing by having them all as kind of semi-equal um it means that you know I don't feel guilty if I take a day for writing and you know podcasting gets pushed to tomorrow or I don't feel guilty if we do a bunch of interviews and then I can't do you know I don't have the energy for something else um because it all balances out long term yeah, yeah, yeah. Are all your um, little side hustles, are they all um, bringing you money or are some of them purely just to fill your creative need? Uh, so at the moment I am very, very, very privileged um, where I was made redundant and got a redundancy payout. So at the moment, um, so everything used to be previously funded by I did have a full-time traditional job. And the last few weeks, uh, they're not like they've brought in money here and there, but it's not consistently what I live off. Yeah. Um, so that's a transition period that I'm in now, whether I will have to go back to a traditional job or if I can make one of these or each of these make a bit of money that'll make ends meet. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm in a very privileged position where I had savings because I understand obviously not everyone can just do the things that they want to do. Um, I understand that I'm very, very lucky to be doing my side hustles because, no, they do not bring in the moolah uh, just yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is uh, that is the hard part with um, 
some of these in creative endeavors like they're so fulfilling but mm. <laughs> making a living out of them is a is a whole nother ball ball game although actually one of our episodes um is is all about that like pricing your creative um process and yeah outputs and stuff like that so that's that's a pretty cool episode um but that's interesting so like do you think that you have uh like an insatiable appetite for creativity or do you think there's a point where you're going to go all right that's enough side quests I think I'm just fine for now what's your what's your view on creativity that way I used to think that it was like a um like a tank and I would run out and things like that (laughs) um my opinions are definitely changing I genuinely think that again because of like the ADHD brain and the craving for novelty I think if I can manage to make something work, um, I genuinely do better when I'm doing my own things. So um, I do think that I will constantly be finding different (laughs) stuff forever. Um, The cool thing about writing is that, you know, I can be in the same industry but doing different things. So that's got a lot of flexibility. I imagine I'll stay in books forever. I just don't know what that'll look like and if I'll be one of those genre hopping people or if I'll even be able to make it make money and things like that but no I genuinely do think that um creativity and novelty for me really go hand in hand and you know thinking about things differently um and finding the different ways to do things is probably always going to be part of how I work and how I live um yeah many many side quests to come I reckon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what would you um what would you recommend to people who are you know say they're in their nine to five job with not much creativity how do they find their first side hustle or explore a bit on the side to get more creativity in their life it's so hard because like I know how much time effort energy a nine to five takes um especially for neurodivergent people like being in an office was so hard for me um you know having someone else's structure put on me was really really hard things like that so um it genuinely was just little pockets of time where I thought about okay what do I like doing um you know I thought about how I've always been reading and I used to do a bookstagram and things like that so that was a passion project for a bit and things like that and it's just I'm kind of lucky that my brain will seize on an idea and then just hold on to it until I have the time to do it or it or being my beautiful neurodivergent brain will get distracted and make time <laughs> to do it um so I do think it is it is hard when you're trying to do a nine to five and then also find a side hustle or things like that but if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's something that you've been thinking about for years, it's worth jumping in because you've clearly got that passion for it. You've clearly got that interest. You've clearly got that love. And that's going to be what motivates you to do it when, you know, you've, you've clocked off and you maybe don't want to look at a screen again and your hobby is screen-based or things like that. I think it's just do what you love. I know that sounds so tacky and privileged. <laughs> but it's true I mean there's way more uh you're way more able to stay motivated and engaged if you truly love it and yeah 100 percent. if you're not finding it in your job then you've got all this opportunity outside of that 
but it does seem like when you're too too tired, too busy to do it, maybe pushing through because you know you'll get that en- energy from it once you actually start it. But starting the the starting it is the hardest part for so many people. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I think I see it as kind of you know when you've got to push like a really big kind of cog system and that first push is the hardest and then after that it's going to go okay that's how I think of it when I you know feel like I've fallen out um or I don't have you know the creativity that I want or need at that time I just kind of think just push through the cogs will start working if you just push that little bit kind of works (laughs) I love that I love that so like now you're at this really cool um you're at this really cool point where You've got some cash to allow you to explore all these different things. What do you want the future to look like? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would love to write books. I would love to, because I still feel like I absolutely adore my novella, but because it's a novella, I still don't know if I can call myself like an author. Like, does it count? It's half a book. I don't know. You're an Um, author. So I would, yeah, I would like to feel like I've earned author. I would like a full book. Um, I'm really, really passionate about, um, you know, obviously neurodivergent representation and things like that. So I think that is going to be a really, really big part of my writing from now on. Obviously, I was writing neurodivergent characters and just didn't realize because because I didn't know that about myself. But of course, you know, bits and pieces of the author is always going to make it in, especially with your main characters, whether you know it or not, it slides in. So it's nice now that I'll be able to go into projects knowing that I can, you know, use my voice and my experience and make own voices material and really champion neurodivergent representation in the way that I wish I had seen it, um, you know, as a kid and even now still as an adult. Um, And then, yeah, just podcasting and things like that. We'll see how long uh, the money lasts. Maybe, you know, in two months' time, I'll be back in an office job, um, but I'll still be doing these things on the side. And ideally, I'll be able to do, I'll be able to, you know, just do my creative endeavours long-term. It just depends on the money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it comes back to a lot of the times, doesn't it? But who knows, maybe your podcast could uh, lead into a book for you. I mean, like you're having so many cool conversations, you're getting great stories from people, could be like the fuel for another book. If you could uh, get a bunch of publishers to hear that and get in touch with me, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. (laughs) I'll I'll do my best. (laughs) You're actually the second guest who has said that to me <laughs> like oh yeah I've got I've got publishers and distributors in America but I don't have one in Australia yet I'm like okay yeah leave it with me I feel like this is going to be my side hustle now it's going to be bu- publishing or accidental. I don't even know what it is book distribution I'm not sure <laughs> accidental literary agent there you go there you go I'll I'll add that little slash to my to my LinkedIn <laughs> oh no well that was fantastic I um I really appreciated talking to you Jacinta it was it was a a lovely sort of chance meeting of you online and I'm so pleased that you reached out and this conversation was able to happen thank you I think you're doing some really cool things and I love the fact that um you are just kind of letting your brain go wherever it is and 
do all these different cool activities. I think it's going to be really inspirational for people to hear this today. Thank you. Um, it's it's much easier to let it go than to fight it. So <laughs> lean in. Lean in, people. You had a hipper. Um, but I also want to say thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in to the episode today. I really hope that this episode of Creativity Uncovered has inspired you to lean in, um, follow the adventure. And as always, I hope that it helps you summon creativity the next time that you need it. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.